Pillow Talk, how are you? Hello to all the listeners out there. Thank you for tuning in. Please welcome to the What's the Tea stage, the New Yorkian bombshell, Miss Frankie Eleanor. Thank you for joining us, Frankie. It is my honor. Thank you so much for having me. Cool. So jumping right in here, I've heard that the performance bug bit at quite a young age for you. As like in the eighth grade, um, <laughs> you sang Selena's Dreaming of You in a talent show. Oh my God. So before coming to burlesque, did you feed the side of your personality at all? Oh, yes, I did. Any chance I got... <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm like, oh my god, I can't, I actually forgot that I, I talked about that at one point. <laughs> yep, eighth grade, I was the only Latin girl in my class, mm-hmm. and I, then this was obviously when Selena passed away, and I was just so devastated that my eighth grade homage talent show, I was like, anything for Selena, so obviously <laughs> I had to sing Dreaming of You. And it definitely started even before that. I was always performing for my parents and my family with um, dancing around and making jokes and entertaining them in any way just to lighten up the mood of rooms and create um, a sense of happiness and dancing around, especially in the Latin community. Nothing more than you know, dancing around and eating good food and mm-hmm. having a good time with each other. That's pretty much what my life was about growing up. So it definitely was an atmosphere that was perfect for feeding my entertainment side and my personality to be what it is today. Amazing. Entertainer at birth. <laughs> <laughs> it truly it truly is, like 100%. <laughs> so, I mean, like, had you then taken any kind of dance classes you know after that or like any formal singing classes seeing as seen as you know the songbird was already inside of you did were you like I should I should see if I could be the next Selena I know right um I definitely was not thinking at that level of recognition I guess (laughs) I was still like so like oh I'm just a small little person from East Harlem, New York, Mm -hmm. now living in the boondocks in high school. What's gonna happen to my life? I don't know. But um, during high school, I did get some training because I joined the um, high school choir and our focus was singing secular music. Mm -hmm. And it was an incredible experience And that's where I had an amazing teacher, Mr. Uh, Edward Dalton, and he changed how I carried my voice, how I read music. And that was actually the extent of my training, four years of being in a high school choir. And it was just such an amazing experience. That was definitely a gateway also for me to travel. Mm Mm-hmm because I never really traveled before. I've only been to the tri-state area and Puerto Rico to visit my family, but mm-hmm. I I had the opportunity to go to Vancouver to compete for a competition, which was, a, it's so beautiful over there. Yeah. And I also got to go to England to sing at Westminster Abbey, which oh, was wow. an incredible experience. Jeez, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the acoustics in there are phenomenal. Wow. <laughs> But um, yeah, definitely it was that time of my life that I I got bit by the travel bug where I was like, this is definitely along with my brand. I I Mm -hmm. love to travel. I love to uh, see new cultures, new people, new art, Mm -hmm. and how different parts of the world interpret interpret such art. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely, that was the extent of my training in regards to singing. But in dancing... It was more of a cultural inspiration than anything because mm-hmm. pretty much as soon as you could stand on your feet, your parents are already teaching you how to dance salsa, <laughs> merengue, bachata. Yeah, yeah. And then there's all the family gatherings that we had. And we literally 
got together for anything. Yeah. Like any holiday, any bank holiday. Uh, Theo just got surgery and survived. Let's have a party. You know, it, <laughs> it was, we, we literally made any reason for all of us to get together. And the one thing we would always do is blast Latin music and we would just dance. And that that's pretty much the extent of my actual training. I've never really been to a proper class per se, um, in the sense of I never been to a, like ballet class or mm -hmm. a modern dance class, but definitely as I got older and especially when I started, um, my journey to burlesque, I did start taking dance classes by, um, the incredible Pearl Noir mm -hmm. and they were more focused on sensuality and movement mm -hmm. as well as Joe Boobs Weldon, who's the headmistress of the New York School of Burlesque. Mm -hmm. She was actually my first experience of studying uh, burlesque, so there was movement classes there. Mm -hmm. And also as I got older, I started getting more curious about other types of dancing. So just recently I started taking uh, samba classes, which are based from Brazil and also even bomba classes which is actually a very old style of dancing in the caribbean oh, wow. where our ancestors were pretty much dancing um because they were enslaved by yeah. um, colonization and it was more the dance was about claiming our ancestors claiming our heritage claim celebrating our movement our bodies and who we are as people so it was just something that was intriguing me and it was something that I never really knew how to do because it's mostly done in the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. New Yorkans and um, other people who came from Caribbean um, area that have moved into the States, they don't really have the space to do that. So I thought it was incredibly important for me to get in touch with that part of um, my dance culture. Wow. So it's been, it's been, it's continuously evolving. And as I, I definitely want to continue challenging myself in how I move physically in and out of the burlesque community. Oh, wow. I love all of that for you. I love the growing up in it. I love the inspiration of what you're finding yourself looking into um, now as an adult. Really beautiful journey that. I know you were like, at a very young age, you started this. And I'm like, ha, 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 mm -hmm. am I that young? I don't know. <laughs> but I was, a, I was a child of the 80s. And as we all know, um, the 80s was such an incredible time for experimental dancing. Mm -hmm. We had New Age. We had John Cicada and Lisa Lisa and Janet Jackson. And like the music videos were just so inspiring and even into the 90s things got very dance heavy so obviously little little me thought this was fantastic so i would record these music videos and start mimicking them <laughs> to, to, to learn how to move <laughs> so i like to say that new york city has got burlesque shows going on eight days a week And I mean, you eventually <laughs> got around to seeing one in like 2013, 2014. Yep. And I imagine this because New York City, being the city that it is, has got loads to offer all the time. So 100%. Yeah. So what stood out for you about your experience at a burlesque show that made you want to go from in the audience to on stage? So the very first show I've been to, as you said, was around 2013. It was from a production called Tiny Twist Productions, which is led by Tiny D and um, Ginger Twist, who are two incredible New York City-based performers. Mm -hmm. Their show was a burlesque Hall of Fame calendar show. Mm -hmm. And what they were doing every year for about, I think they were doing this project for about five, six years, is that they would create a annual calendar and take some of the performers of today to pay homage to the burlesque performers of before and the funds that they would raise for this calendar were to completely support financially to get these legends to the burlesque hall of fame weekender that wow. we have out in las vegas mm -hmm. so just that alone warmed my heart that it was like wow you know You're paying respect to those who paved the way for us and you're you're doing it in a beautiful, creative way. Obviously, I bought the calendar immediately. Mm -hmm. This was at a venue called LPR, also known as Le Poisson Rouge. Mm -hmm. And 
I was on a date like a long time ago and I walked in. I was like with a friend. Um, it wasn't a date. It was a friend. <laughs> but um, I walked in and I was like, what? I'm home. Uh-huh. <laughs> I walked into seeing um, dancers uh, go-go dancing on stage, half naked, with people just walking up to them and giving them money, and they're hugging the patrons with the money, mm-hmm. and it just felt like such a strong sense of community. Like, these people knew each other, and for those who didn't know each other, they were just so enamored by the confidence and the happiness that these performers had on stage just doing what they love to do which Mm -hmm. is dance around naked and I'm like I actually like dancing around naked at home (laughs) I just but I could get paid for that what (laughs) so as the show went on it was hosted by none other than the world famous Bob and yeah, I love her too. Oh, she's so fabulous. I la- I haven't laughed so hard yeah. from a hostess or femcee till that day. And I'm like, wow, this is this is genius talent. Chef kiss to the whole production. Mm-hmm. And then Joe Boobs Weldon got on stage and did a chair dance to a Led Zeppelin song. Mm-hmm. And Joe moves as Joe moves. And I was just starstruck. My jaw was on the floor. I was just bobbing and weaving in my chair, watch, like following along with the music and her iconic long red hair and flipping around everywhere. Mm-hmm. I was, I was in love. I'm like, this was incredible. This is so beautiful. It's so different. And then world famous Bob then announced that was Joe Boobs Weldon. She is the headmistress of the New York School of Burlesque. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, wait, there's a space where you can learn this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I signed up immediately right after the show. I did a four-week program shortly after that. Mm -hmm. And then in no time, I had my debut, and I, I never looked back. So that first show really provided me the confirmation that what I was doing in the four walls of my my private space Mm -hmm. was definitely something that can be celebrated with others Mm -hmm. which for a long time I was like okay I'm a little bit rambunctious I'm a I'm a little bit over the top in some spaces I'm used to people telling me to you know maybe maybe tone it down a little bit you're being a little crazy you know why are you running around in your underwear And finding this community at random, I I felt that validation, that confirmation more than anything that what I was doing, celebrating and loving my body was not wrong. Mm -hmm. It was not um, a scandal or taboo Mm -hmm. because there's this beautiful world out there that will accept you and, you know, actually encourage you to be your naked happy self and Mm -hmm. I was like this these are my people and I I pretty much inserted myself in that community immediately that's awesome so after the four weeks of instruction at the New York School of Burlesque you performed your first act to Nina Simone's uh, Do I Move You yep like pretty much 90% of the community (laughs) (laughs) it's a good song (laughs) it is it's it's a solid entry to the world yeah So what inspires your style of burlesque back then and now? Well, back then it was more of just trying to find my voice, which was obviously as a woman of size, it was more to celebrate my body and share it with the world and also my my love for glamour Mm -hmm. and beauty and glamorous things. And it was about this beautiful woman of size can be glamorous, can be beautiful, can take it slow. And that was pretty much my first mission as a burlesque performer. Mm -hmm. Because at my debut, I've definitely told this story before, but it's just a story I love um, talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, I closed the show for the uh, student showcase. And as one would, I was 
like so many people came up to me and there was like this crowd around me talking to me and there was this one woman in the back and she had a stone cold face mm -hmm. and I was like uh oh I already started feeling that shame for no reason mm -hmm. like did I offend this woman was I too much was was I not doing this right and I finally had a moment to go to her and she just bursted into tears and she was like thank you so much I didn't know that my body could be so beautiful and sexy and I don't even like looking at myself in the mirror at home you know it felt so good seeing a body like mine on stage doing what you're doing and I was like mm -hmm. I'm never gonna stop doing burlesque I have to do this yeah. I have to do this for be the change for you my other see in the world exactly I'm like I am going to be the change I'm going to give people permission mm -hmm. and confirmation to remind them that they're beautiful and to run around naked even if it's just in your bedroom I don't care I'm just going to keep doing this so I, I ran away with it mm -hmm. and definitely over the years it did the mission did change for the most part but it still remains um, the same that's definitely one of my mission statements as a burlesque performer and why I do what I do on stage as much as I do it. Awesome. I'm assuming that it's because of the burlesque that you kind of got into pinup, right? It's actually vice versa. Oh, really? I started doing pinup first. Okay. Which was, they were literally like, right, like a hairline difference from each other timeline wise. Okay. I started doing pinup. Because I would see people like Mika Romantic mm. um, doing their pinup. Absolutely iconic. I, I adore Mika Romantic so much. I started looking at the photographs. And there was the one, the one photographer that I've been working with for years, Victor Devil Bliss, who did a majority of her work back then. Mm -hmm. We connected online as one, do, one does these days. And we just slid into each other's DMs just talking about the movie um, The Secretary. Oh, yeah. Because um, he did a photo series um, with two models with that. I was like, oh, my God, I love that movie, blah, blah, blah. So um, we were talking friendly banter. And then finally, an opportunity came for me to actually uh, do pin up with him. Yeah. Actually, you are correct, Pillow. Mm -hmm. um, the t the, it is reverse. Burlesque happened first, but right but, in the uh, heels of it, the pinup started. Yeah. It, yeah. It, they were so close in time that I get them confused sometimes looking back because yeah. it was so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> My memory is not what it used to be. <laughs> but yeah, um, I really started enjoying the pinup because I did notice a lot of burlesque performers we're doing that and I'm like okay this might help me with my lines my body lines how I pose um, I found it as another artistic outlet to for movement of my body and being comfortable in my body and mm -hmm. um, how to like look and makeup and these were all these things that I was just learning with those two communities and I really just took a nosedive right into the pinup community. I I really enjoyed working with that photographer who also runs Retro Lovely Magazine. Yes. Which is a iconic pinup magazine. Mm -hmm. Excellent work that he does. And he's just such a joy to work with as a as a cisgender male who happens to also be straight. Mm -hmm. He made me feel so comfortable as a photographer. Because, you know, you hear horror stories sometimes from artists that have worked with photographers that could be a little troublesome mm -hmm. and have negative experiences with them where they don't feel comfortable or safe. But hands down, this one photographer, he made me feel so safe, so appreciated. He made me laugh. Um, and he guided me in such a professional manner. Also, he's one of the best photographers I know mm -hmm. when it comes to lighting. Like, he is such a lighting geek. <laughs> I tried to educate myself once during a photo shoot and asked him to explain to me the whole lighting concept of one shoot. And it's like, I went into a world where I just did not, it was like all emojis and weird signs <laughs> to me. I had no idea what he was talking about. But what I knew was the passion that he had for what he did. Mm-hmm. And that's why I continue to work with him to this day whenever I get a chance because I know he loves what he does 
and he wants to do it the best way possible. And I'm like, I'm like that too. Let's, let's continue working together. <laughs> I want to know, growing up in East Harlem with your Puerto Rican heritage, like where does the appeal for this pinup aesthetic stem from? That's actually a very interesting question. To be honest, growing up, I don't think we really knew what pinup was back then. Mm. Obviously, we have such iconic people as Rita Moreno, uh, Morero, sorry, mm -hmm. that um, she almost was kind of pinup-y when you look at her films, like West Side Story. We have like the cinched waist and the circle skirts and the glamour face. Or we always had that one tia, which is Spanish for aunt, mm -hmm. that was always dressed to the nines with their beautiful dresses and their cha-cha disco heels. Like, for me, that was my my uh, Titi Carmen, mm -hmm. who always looked like she was ready to go to Studio 54. Amazing. She was always so glamorous, so beautiful. And sometimes she would babysit me and my sister, and we would, like, walk around in her cha-cha heels and feel so awesome and beautiful. Mm -hmm. Also, like, our culture and how we we move our bodies. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's weird to say it, but we do have this underlining, I hate saying Latin heat, but I'm going to say this, like, Latin sexualized, like, animalistic mm -hmm. DNA that is embedded in us as a culture. Might be the heat from the island, I don't know, but we we love to move our hips when we walk. We love to, you know, we love to hug. We, we're such intimate people. We're such welcoming and open-hearted people as a culture. Mm -hmm. Man, we even brought these colonizers into our island. We fed them, we took care of them, and what did they do? <laughs> yeah. We were too friendly, but that's another time, another story. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it just... Just us as a people, though, history-wise, we've always been so warm with our bodies and our emotions and our ideas, and we just love to share it in any way. And the best way women really know how to do it best is aesthetically. Mm. I know, like, within my family and also growing up in East Harlem, I would see it with my own eyes. I would see women, you know, definitely dressing not necessarily dressing to the nines but dressing to their body where mm -hmm. they celebrated their shapes and the way that they moved they accentuated how they moved to let it be known to people like yes i have an ass i have hips i have breasts like i'm thick or i'm thin with a little butt i don't care i'm gonna move the way i want to move because i want people lie. to know what i got <laughs> so seeing that definitely was an inspiration but definitely in east harlem in the 80s it still was a very poor demographic a very violent demographic mm -hmm. so we really didn't know much of the subculture that was the pinup world mm -hmm. it was just more what we would see in media mm -hmm. and for us it would be like movies like west side story or la bamba oh, and also the music videos of salsa and merengue uh, Sabado Gigante, which is a weekend um, variety show that would happen on Channel 41 Telemundo, mm -hmm. where the showgirls, like Sofia Vegara, had her start in one of those shows. Okay. Um, and it was just a lot of beautiful, voluptuous, shapely women just dancing around in like their sparkly bras and underwear. And that's what we saw. Like our soap operas were also very pinup-y when you think about it very sexualized, overemphasized figures. And we had like the hair done and the lipstick and the plastic surgery. It was just, <laughs> we'll, we'll be real. There was a lot of plastic surgery. Oh yeah. <laughs> so after a few years of performing, you decided to delve into producing shows. Mm -hmm. um, and so what transpired at BurleyCon where you came up with the idea for Butter Pecan Burlesque and then eventually birthing it in March of 2014. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, that was such a magical time for me. Um, so as a um, light-skinned person of color, as a Latina, I started becoming more aware of what was going on politically and in the folds 
in regards to casting and representation of diversity in the burlesque community, even in New York City, which happens to be conceived as one of the most diverse spaces in the world mm -hmm. as a city, as a population, as a people and culture. Um, mm -hmm. But I start, I started to become a little bit more self-aware as I began getting more involved in the burlesque community and working more. I did notice that certain spaces were not really providing that space or not necessarily providing it, but like celebrating it and honoring it mm -hmm. um, where you felt like as a Latin artist, you can do a Latin act that wasn't a Carmen Miranda or you yeah. didn't have to have a JLo body and be sun kissed tan like a coconut to be casted as a Latin performer. Yeah. And I remember I did a show once that was an all POC cast and I was actually the lightest skin person there and I had a performer approach me and they were like, oh, are you like a guest performer? Like, mm -hmm. why are you here? And I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm Puerto Rican and I, I'm, I'm born and raised in New York. And she's like, oh, so that's why you're here. You're Latina. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes. And like colorism still continues to be um, an issue in the, within the Latin community um, mm -hmm. as a culture and even in burlesque because you start having an identity crisis. You're like, am I too light to be welcomed into the space of my own people mm -hmm. or people will have the identity um, crisis that I'm too dark, I cannot fit in this Latin space or white producers and um, performers that don't know any better you know or are maybe too like shy to ask questions because they don't want to seem give off the wrong vibe they'll mm -hmm. be like oh well this person has so much melanin so they're obviously black where i'm like well you know fun fact they're actually full puerto rican so they're afro latino you know mm -hmm. yes our Yes, we do have our ancestors that are from Africa, but, you know, there are other, there's little deeper levels. So, yes, they're black and they're Latin. Mm -hmm. So they fit in both spaces. So you can't just pigeonhole them in one or the other. Yeah. Um, I found that really interesting. And also for audience members, it was so interesting to see people clamor for a artist doing a act to a French song or an Italian opera, but I rarely heard anything in Spanish mm -hmm. unless it was maybe like a one-off Carmen Miranda act, which she's Brazilian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and fun I'm fact. like, I'm like, fun fact, yeah. that's Brazilian. I just found it so interesting. And that's what really got me talking to myself and trying to see what I can do to to change it because you would look at the history of showgirls and burlesque, especially in Central and South America. Mm -hmm. It was everywhere and it was welcomed in homes, through TV, through movies. Like the media really accepted burlesque and showgirls in the Latin world. And I'm like, how come I'm not seeing that level in North America? Mm -hmm. And I found that so interesting. So BurleyCon was definitely one of the greatest spaces to go to, to really be, to really learn, obviously, about the world of burlesque and how to move about it. But it was also very inspiring when I would have an opportunity to talk to other POC performers. Mm. And that was really the space that I really met a lot of incredible Latin burlesque performers, mm -hmm. um, like Lola Coquette and Bella Sin, and they are just such incredible forces of nature in the Latin community mm -hmm. and in Latin burlesque. And we were just talking like bonchiche, how we always do, and which is like Spanish for gossiping. <laughs> and we were talking about the New York scene and POC burlesque in general. And it really came to my attention that there was a lack of it, like mm -hmm. just a space dedicated to that. There would be like the one-off shows a year that someone would be like, oh, I'm doing an all-black production or, you know, Calamity Chang's famous um, Asian burlesque festival that she does every year, which yeah. is so exciting and coming up very, very soon. Yeah. But I wasn't really seeing anything for the Latin community. Yeah. I saw a lot of Asian and black and everyone else, 
But I'm like, where's the Latin voice? Mm -hmm. And I really started feeling like maybe because we're such a wide diversity of color and walks of life and body type, we almost become static. Mm. So I felt like we were at the bottom of the um, totem pole to say like, Mm -hmm. and not say, but I was like, okay, I need to do something about this. And this is when I came up with the idea at Burley Con. I'm like, all right, I'm going to create this space. And as a New Yorker, I obviously had to name my production after a Ray Kwan song, Ice Cream. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, Butter Pecan Rican? Yes, I'm going to be Butter Pecan Burlesque. Yeah. And and it happened. And I I love it so much. It was such a passion project. And it had so many layers to it. I didn't just want to create the space for us to be celebrated as Latin artist and to re-educate the audience on what Latin burlesque means. Mm -hmm. What I really wanted to do also was to challenge my own community to be like, okay, as burlesque performers, we have such a gift that the Spanish language is pretty much used in every genre of music. Obviously due to education in the burlesque world, you you learn about the Glenn Millers, you learn about Night Train, you learn about Nina Simone, and that's the music, and that's because that's the music that's usually used the most in, uh, in these stages. So I was like, growing up, there was so much beautiful music, sensual music, upbeat music, party music, that's in Spanish, mm-hmm. and I, challenged my performers to embrace their latin artists and to perform to them which a lot of them didn't which was so fascinating and to this day i know quite a few of them still use the music that they've used over the years that we were producing butter pecan burlesque on a monthly basis Mm -hmm. now it's an annual basis but um it's just so brilliant that i was i feel like i was able to help my community embrace and to get that confirmation that their language, their culture, their their aesthetic, their beauty, their colors, it was just all acceptable and people wanted to see it on stage. Mm-hmm. So to remind them and to give them that space and that confirmation, it really did help shape the Latin burlesque community in New York City. And that's one of the things I'm just so proud of. And yeah, I will... I just want to keep doing what I can to help um, the community shine brighter. As you should be. It certainly sounds like it looks like an incredible production. I think I'd probably have to stay in New York City for like a full year in order to be able to (laughs) see just like a full calendar year so that I can see all the burlesque shows of interest. And Barabakan is certainly one of those. (laughs) It's brilliant. I, I have so much love for it. Speaking of your producing endeavors, you then went on to co-produce the Latinx Burlesque Festival with Kitsa Sincere, which was originally scheduled to debut in the summer of 2020. So my question is twofold. One, what was your experience like bringing a festival to life during the time of a pandemic? And two, I believe the festival has gone under a rebranding and is now Mijente Burlesque Festival. So what was the reason behind this? Well, full disclosure, the change in name was just because, and it's a beautiful problem to have, mm-hmm. so many other productions in North America started coming to fruition. Other producer, other Latin producers have been making Latin burlesque festivals for their regions and I am so damn happy for that. It just, it fills my heart so much that we're, we're doing, we're doing the work. We're Mm -hmm. creating the spaces because it's not like, it's not like certain festivals that are just like, oh, this is the festival for this kind of stuff. No, no, no. There's abundance for everyone. Mm -hmm. So to have all these festivals being birthed like in the past couple of years, it has been so incredible. And, but the thing is, is that there's only so many ways you can say (laughs) Latin festivals. (laughs) Yes. So like just for, you know, just to create the space that there is abundance for everyone, you know, we don't have to compete. There should never be any room or opportunity to create animosity or shade 
because you know sometimes we could be a bit a bit dramatic mm-hmm. it happens mm-hmm. but we want I, we both wanted to get in front of that possibility because we're both very chill latinas you know mm-hmm. we're just like there is room for all of us on this stage mm-hmm. there there's a spotlight big enough for all of us yeah but at the same time, branding-wise, we did start seeing a lot of similarities in names. Mm-hmm. So we're like, you know what? Let's let's just change it. it it's only been one festival. What's a name change gonna do to us? Nothing. We're fine. We're not we're not shady or bougie or anything. You know, the mission will always remain the same. We were having dinner, and we were just putting our minds together. And I and we were both like, well, what about mi gente? Mm-hmm. Because that's translates to our people yeah and i'm like this is perfect and yeah. we're like all right mi gente burlesque it's cute it looks cute on type yeah. on font <laughs> <laughs> so we ran away with that and we're like all right let's rebrand it done so that was one of the questions um yeah. the answers to one of your questions the second one was um like yeah. doing it during a pandemic so mm-hmm. yes um we did see a decline all around for festivals, obviously, due to the state of the world, mm-hmm. we're like, okay, you know, obviously safety first, and also, who's gonna want to go out now? Yeah. <laughs> so we we did put it on the shelf for a little bit, but we started noticing the culture, and it was so inspirational how so many burlesque artists were taking it online, mm-hmm. taking it virtually, and people were even having like little mini festivals online and we're like you know what this is this is an opportunity to still get ourselves out there still Mm -hmm. because we wanted so badly to bring it to the world it was a a project that we loved so much and we were so proud of it and we we just done so much legwork already yeah we did keep oh my god kita sincere is a powerhouse she's literally i i proudly say that she is the backbone of the production she is incredibly talented she does all our media work for the festival mm-hmm. and i i just love her so much i i could have not been luckier to have anybody else she she truly is the best i adore her so much and um so we were like all right let's 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 pull the trigger let's let's make this virtual yeah but at the same time, we really wanted to do what we can to keep almost like the a festival camaraderie of it mm-hmm. in some sense. So we ended up doing a mixed media in the sense that we had quite a few pre-recorded performances from people who were out of town and also some people from NYC that didn't feel quite comfortable being um around other people at the time which was completely understandable Mm -hmm. so it became a three-night event and i have to shout out coney island usa for helping us with this project between kita and coney island usa um which is the original space that we were going to do the festival for those three days yeah we we ended up they provided us an incredible space their team helped us so much um, to make to put this into fruition with the live feed and Kita was behind that too and creating a safe environment for the performers that actually did come to Coney Island to perform so we could do like a live mm-hmm. streaming yeah, yeah. Um, portion of it it was just so much fun and so incredible and it was so cathartic for those who who joined us in real life so we had an empty audience, obviously, except for obviously someone brought their mom. Yeah. <laughs> so mommy was in the corner all by herself. <laughs> and we had out of the three nights, two of them, we had, I think, a total of eight to nine performances in the festival. But we only had four bodies in the space. So that created us being able to social distance Mm -hmm. to make sure everyone was safe. We made sure everyone was vaccinated and we kept things very clean and sterile Mm -hmm. and we would switch out spaces. So it'd be like, all right, you're next, but then we're going to do a pre-record of another performer and me as Kita and I both were hosts for one of each of those nights 
And so we were separated completely from the crowd as well, Mm -hmm. um, doing our recordings like in the bleachers. It was hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) We we made it work, though, and it was such a it was such a great time. We we truly enjoyed it. Wow. And for the live performers, they just felt so good, like just getting a little bit of a taste of what we had before and um, a little bit more hope of what we had to look forward to the next time. Yeah. So. We're really excited to bring it back for a second year. We hope that we continue to do it. And I also want to thank uh, Lily LaCroix Mm -hmm. for um, blessing us to do this because that was one of the first things I, the first festivals I've ever done, which was the Latin and Hispanic Burlesque Festival. Mm -hmm. I believe it was 2017 or 2018 in Orlando, Florida, which was led by Lily LaCroix. One of the first things I did before we launched Latinx Burlesque Fest was call her. And I was like, baby, (laughs) first of all, thank you so much for giving me a taste of what a Latin festival can be and is. And I met so many wonderful people throughout that festival. And I told her what our vision was. And she was like, that's incredible. I can't wait. And it was funny because she was actually supposed to fly down to see the show or participate whatever she wanted but obviously the pandemic prevented her from doing that so i'm hoping maybe this round she'll she'll make a guest appearance we'll see but but yeah it's so important to honor those who also paved the way for you and lily lacroix was definitely one of those forces of nature that really inspired us to continue the legacy of having a latin burlesque festival for people to participate in and celebrate each other that's awesome so not only are you a performer and producer but you also host events and are the mc so what is your approach when you're taking on this role as an mc do you prefer like having a script or are you more like a shoot from the hip type of thing? So, <laughs> it's so funny and it's such it seems like such a lazy answer, but the truth is is that I've been doing this my whole life. I've been emceeing as in one way or another, always guiding conversation mm-hmm. and setting the mood and rooms. It, it's just, it's just, I didn't realize I could do that with a microphone in my hand. <laughs> so as soon, um, and um, I have to thank Shelly Watson and uh, Calamity Chang for providing me the the space. Um, Cause now I'm currently the, the new producer of Thursday Night Burlesque at Nurse Betty, yeah. which is in the Congrats Lower East Side that. of New York City. Yep, an incredible space with an amazing team. Mm-hmm. And I do a weekly show there where, yes, I MC, I sing, I perform, I, I do it all. <laughs> but, um, She's the triple threat, baby. I am, yeah, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> and that space, um, obviously um, bar scenes, and just anytime you're emceeing, some people like have their own way of doing it. But for me, I've, I've always been off the cuff mm-hmm. because... When it comes to small spaces, especially uh, for a weekly show, I'm always getting an influx of energy and people. So I could have a room that's all of a sudden full of out of towners. I could have one with a party. I could have a brother and sister coming in with their dates, which is so weird, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but no shade. (laughs) I could have a father bringing his um, his 65 year old dad to see his first burlesque show. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many different types of people that, that want to see burlesque and me being off the cuff allows me to read the energy of the room and to create a more for my styling of, um, what I do. It provides a more intimate interactive experience mm-hmm. where I'm just not this pretty thing on stage providing you pretty things to look at we're having a conversation we're having an experience together Mm -hmm. we're on a journey we're gonna get to know each other we're gonna be friends (laughs) (laughs) and that's just the vibe I my personal branding and vibe is more that so I really don't do monologues or anything like that I'm Mm -hmm. more of you know let me read the space which I'm Mm -hmm. usually very good at And I always like to interact with people before the show starts just so I could get a feel of what I might walk into later 
and taking advantage of that and doing certain things the way that I do them, it provides me even more um, confidence to be able to be off the cuff. I even did that when I met the Lat- when I hosted one of the nights of the Latinx Burlesque Fest, mm-hmm. um, also with Butter Pecan Burlesque, which was my first hosting gig. It just came so natural to me. Mm-hmm. And it was just like having a conversation with a bunch of my family and friends in the living room like I always do. It just feels very natural do, being in that position. And it's home for me. I really love doing what I do, and I, I don't do it on script. Wow. That is amazing. I admire that like so much. With my background in hospitality, I've gotten used to uh, speaking with people, you know, in the front of house, before shows, after shows. I'm like, you know, new, know who's repeat guests. I know who's new. I love, I love that element of 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 speaking with the audience and like connecting mm-hmm. with, you know, the artists as well. And everybody has always said to me my whole life, ah, oh, Carrie, like you should be on stage. You should be doing this. So I've, you know, in the past couple of months, I've put my foot out there and I've. And I've tried to appear on stage and do the MC thing. And I've always, I've always said anything and everything in the arts when you are in front of camera or on stage, I've always admired it because I'm just like, wow, that is, that is skill. And as soon yeah. as I get on stage, something just happens. And I'm yeah, just it like, just, it oh switches my. and you're like, this is my house. <laughs> I, I would love for that to happen. So, um, I mean, like, I think it's it's getting easier, but it's not like, uh, it's definitely something I feel like it's an art form that I want to hone and craft somehow and be that comfortable. So when I see, like, amazing, like, people like yourself who are so natural in that position, be able to host the space and speak to everyone, you know, I've seen you do it on the Legends, the Legends show uh, that, Paul Noir and was hosted by the House yes, of Noir. Seeing you yep. do it in that capacity and that's in a Zoom room and you still hold the floor with uh, such stature, you know. I'm oh, like, I admire so that so much. I'm like, I, I want to be that person, you know. I mean, I and want to be. you can be. Yeah. Like, you can You know, be. it's just speaking about like world famous <laughs> Bob, for instance. I'm like, oh my God, I love her. I love what she does. I'm like, how do you do that? How, I'm like, and I, and I see myself sometimes as that person I'm like I am this person in my regular life like yeah in the seat as an audience member these people love me but yep. as soon as I put my feet on the stage and the lights go in my eyes I'm like oh, so, so here we are <laughs> so I just want to say I salute you uh it's, it's, it's a wonderful talent to to just have it, it really is I am I'm very I know how fortunate I am to have it come so naturally. Mm. And I just, if anyone out there wants to do it, take my advice, just do it. You know, find your niche, find your branding, what you feel comfortable with, your aesthetic, your vibe, even if you wanna be another character when you're hosting, Mm -hmm. just do it. Cause being able to connect at that level Mm -hmm. and it's longer than four minutes and you know Mm -hmm. sometimes you don't end up naked which is you know (laughs) take it take it what you will but um just being able to to connect with the audience at that level and to create the vibe the space give them the pace give them the journey give them the the you know the mission statement and your style of hosting it really does create not just um, an experience for them, but it also creates a wonderful, safe, fun, happy place for your performers too. Yeah. I think that's so important. And and sometimes we forget that as um, in the community that your MC, your FEMC, your mistress or mister of ceremony, how they host and how they feel about their hosting and the audience, it really creates the stage for you as a performer Mm -hmm. so you know you could have a very positive or a very negative experience and lucky for a lot of us it's 99 percent positive thank you for the pearls of wisdom (laughs) (laughs) is becoming miss coney island 2022 a highlight in your performance career thus far is that like the highlight for you just knowing how much reverence you have for coney island first of all I love Coney Island so much. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We just had our spring gala 
uh, last night on um, Saturday, March 26th at Coney Island, USA, which was a beautiful experience. We have a new artistic director in the space, and it was just a lovely evening of, of magic and circus sideshow, and it was just a great opportunity to to meet um, a lot of new faces and it just reminded me how much I love what I do and I love what Coney Island represents which is really an artistic free-for-all mm -hmm. it really is a space that has a long-standing history of burlesque um, like the sideshows of back in the day Mm -hmm. They used to have the hoochie coochie dances and burlesque has a very, has very deep roots in Coney Island mm -hmm. and just being able to be a part of that as the reigning queen of Miss Coney Island for 2022, it's definitely one of my highest honors because being a Latina, being a New Yorican, being Puerto Rican, my campaign for my um, crown, because each um, each performer has the opportunity to in their in their pageant to express what Coney Island means to them mm -hmm. and how Coney Island has impacted them. So for mine, obviously, we also had two years to prepare for this, which. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> because of the pandemic, this was originally supposed to happen in 2020, and it finally happened in Octo late October of 2021. And it was just such a great opportunity for me to access my history with Coney Island. And as a New Yorker, because I was born and raised here, mm -hmm. I love I love New York so much. I love New York City. I love everything about what we've had to offer artistically and culturally to not only each other, but to the world. Mm -hmm. And for me, Coney Island was always such a, such a Latin experience <laughs> in this. <laughs> I'm not going to front. And even talking to other patrons last night at the gala, they were um, talking to me about um, my pageant because most of them were actually there. And they were like, yeah, I as I would go to Coney Island. I will go to the boardwalk. I will go to the beach and I will see exactly what you were representing. Mm -hmm. And it's just celebrating life, celebrating, you know, just being alive and enjoying who you are as a person and the gifts that your your ancestors and your culture give you. So what you'll see on any Coney Island day on the beach during summertime especially with the Puerto Rican community mm -hmm. is you will always see us hanging together in tribes uh, yeah. waving our Puerto Rican flag because everyone has to know we're Puerto Rican uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so we we have the beach blanket out and the flag waving because uh -huh. that's that's how we do it right. <laughs> and then we're just blasting salsa music and we're eating and we're not eating like popsicles and watermelon. We're eating like tostones and pedni and chicken. Like we're eating like what you should be eating at a dinner table. Yeah, we're yeah, eating yeah. it in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> That's brilliant. And yeah. yeah, and I wanted to celebrate that um, during the pageant. Whether I won or not, I really thought it was so important mm -hmm. that in my pageant, my mission statement as the contestant was, how New Yorican is Miss Frankie Eleanor? Mm -hmm. And the answer was very New Yorican. <laughs> <laughs> my, um, my pageant, they have three categories. And the fun, the interesting thing about the Miss Coney Allen pageant, it's invite only. Yes. You don't apply. Yes. It's invitation only by the one and only Bambi the Mermaid, who oh. is the OG uh, Queen Miss Coney Island. Mm -hmm. And um, it's actually going to be hitting its 20th year anniversary uh, this year, which is a very exciting milestone for uh, Burlesque at the Beach. And we're so excited to see what 2022 brings for the next queen. And it's just a very exciting time right now. But back to what I was saying to, yeah. to finish answering your question, I thought it was incredibly important to express the cultural impact that my people have 
to Coney Island, to New York. Mm -hmm. And as a proud New Yorican, I, I had like a Puerto Rican cape in sequins, Walter Mercado style, mm -hmm. with my beautiful red evening gown and the swimsuit portion. My, my dear friend Way Mest made me a Puerto Rican flag bikini. And my talent, I had, um, I wore a bata, which is um, Spanish for like a house dress. Yeah. And I had my giant like beach hat and I had this beautiful red and gold fringe um, piece underneath by um, Canova Studios that was more of an embodiment of the Latin burlesque scene in the 60s and 70s in New York City. Mm -hmm. And like the Copacabana days when it was back on 11th, um, 11th Avenue and to Edie Chacon, who used to perform there a lot. And it was just such a, a great experience. And every contribution to my pageant was done by immigrants and POCs. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was so important to represent that part of my life, that part of my mission statement as a burlesque dancer and to emphasize how much the POC community has affected mm -hmm. and helped thrive the community of Coney Island. Well, no wonder you took home the crown. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was the 50 hype horns that were playing like, oh, throughout yeah. the whole pageant. Do, 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 do. <laughs> all the way through. <laughs> Literally all the way through. Hilarious. It was amazing. <laughs> They're like, if they play one more hype horn, like, I, I can't. And uh, let's just give her the crown. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Do, 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 do. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'm literally this a sound effect now. This a Frankie Eleanor production. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sound bite now. It's fantastic. So to wrap us up, Frankie, um, what do you have coming up in 2022? Are there any more titles you're after? Where can we follow and support the work that you do? Ah, well, thank you for asking. Um, to be honest, crown-wise, for the year of 2022, I'm not, I will not be competing in any pageants mm -hmm. or, you know, competitions. Yeah. I still haven't quite, like, really bit that apple. Um, I had the honor of doing the Latin and Hispanic Burlesque Festival in 2018 as a highlight performer. And I, w I had the highest honor of competing for Queen at the Noir pageant mm -hmm. in um, right before the pandemic hit. Yeah. And that was just such an honor. And I thought it was so important to be a part of that and participate and to compete because I wanted to represent you know, the Latin community. And also I wanted to represent the POCs that felt like they had even an inkling of doubt that they did not belong in their own space. Because mm -hmm. as a light-skinned POC, I thought it was so important to be a part of that, to represent, to remind people that, okay, you might not look like the stereotype that all of us are putting on each other. Mm-hmm but you do fit here. You belong here. Look at me. Um, look at this honor that Pearl Noir has created for all of us. Mm -hmm. You know, we do deserve the spotlight and we deserve to be held in such high regard compared to like most festivals where, you know, there's a higher statement than just, you know, a cultural representation. It's more like just an honor of getting a, a crown or being the best. Mm -hmm. This was... This was a testament. This was a this was a battle cry that we all deserve the space. The BIPOC community deserves that level of care and recognition. And it was just such a beautiful experience. So that's why I applied for that competition. It just rang so true to me. Mm -hmm. I think um, since we're already in the end of March, I feel like this year I'm really not seeing myself doing any competitions or pageants or mm -hmm. festivals, but you can see me every Thursday night at uh, 9 p.m. at Nurse Betty, which the address is 106 Norfolk Street for those of you listening that are in New York City. Yeah. Um, 
I would love to see y'all there. We have a brand new cast every week. You can also follow me on Instagram at Miss Frankie Eleanor, as well as Butter Pecan Burlesque, also on Instagram. And we would also love for you to follow us at Mi Gente Burlesque Fest, also on the Instagrams for more information, since we will be bringing that back at the end of the year. Just mm-hmm. a little just a little announcement. And also, Butter Pecan Burlesque will be coming back to Coney Island, USA mm-hmm. on April 16th. And that will be, that's also more information you'll find there on Instagram under all three of those, um, those uh, accounts. You'll be able to get more information on my whereabouts and follow definitely Miss Frankie Eleanor to see what else I'm up to because I am everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Girl is busy. (laughs) Yes, I am. Booked and blessed. Booked and blessed. Love it. Yes. So, Miss Frankie Eleanor, I'd just like to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to sit down with us and share your burlesque journey right here with us on What's the Tease. I wish you all the best for all your upcoming projects. Thank you so much. And I, I'm such a fan of your show. It's it's so incredible to be a part of it. It's such an honor. Weba! <laughs>